Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Now that I've accomplished certain things, it's like you just set a different goal. And it's funny because Chris sent me a DM when I posted the two and he was like, now we got to touch 10. And I was like, actually, I was aiming at 100, but 10 is cool, too. <laughs> all right. All a lot right. of people got jobs that they think are businesses. Um, and that's just all I got to say about that. That's right, y'all. Tweet Talk episode 61. It's lit. Woo, hot, hot. hot. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air? What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Kobe Bryant, episode Mamba. Happy Mamba Day to everybody. It's 824 when we are recording this. And we are remembering Kobe today, remembering his greatness. So shout out to that brother. Shout out to his family. And let's keep, let's keep that legacy alive, man. There's so many people, there's so many great spirits that I don't think we can afford to forget. And so just like people remember the MLKs of this world, they, re- they remember the Malcolm X's. I think we have to hold certain people's remembrance at the forefront of our mind. And so I think that Nipsey Hussle, Kobe Bryant, those are some people that I think we should kind of hold in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? He, I mean, he he did a lot with his um after his career in investing. I think we should talk yeah. more about that. I mean, I gotta really look up, look into it. You gotta start a whole firm. He invested in vitamin water that did well. Mm-hmm. He had his own firm, Bryant Stiebel or something like that. He had another uh, really good investment besides vitamin water. I think it was body armor he did. No? Uh, right, 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 right. Body, body armor. That's it. Let's see. The business empire that Kobe leaves behind. I don't really see anything that stands out. I mean, he had the Mamba Sports Academy, which I think was in the process of being something crazy. I, I didn't even really realize what was going on, but it looks super cool what they're building out there. Let's see. Body Armor was one, of course. We just talked about that. He had a media company that was working on creative storytelling around sports. So kind of like the one that he won that Academy Award for. It was like Dear Basketball. Um, he had some other stuff coming out, an autobiography. Um, right, he was a, still that, doing some stuff with Nike. That was a big book, man. Yeah. That's a big book. I feel like he kind of lived two lives also because you have like the, the number eight Kobe, which is a young kind of like the rapper Kobe out there, you know, scandals and whatnot, unfortunately. And then 24 Kobe was the more mature Kobe, the more the, the business minded Kobe, the, the I'm in a, in a nice suit, Kobe taking care of his family, the model citizen Kobe. And I feel like a lot of us 
we kind of go through that, you know. I think sometimes we like to just say that somebody is the way they're always going to be and that they can't mature into a second side of their life. And so it was cool that we got a chance to see him do that, especially because we met him so young. But, I mean, when did he kind of come into that? Was it around 30? I mean, I think that's kind of how that happens. I think we'll see LeBron kind of shift. I think he's still kind of like the younger kind of guy. But once you get towards retirement, it's all business. So we can only imagine what LeBron's going to do because I think in actuality, he's earned more as a player than Kobe. And I know Kobe has some like landmark contracts. But LeBron's kind of already been doing business and putting his friends on. So it's a cool era to, to live through and seeing these athletes actually become uh, more, more than just athletes. Yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, uh, LeBron's got a stake in Blaze Pizza. He's got his uh, academy. Players are doing big things. Another person doing big things, and he just released an album, is Nas, man. I've never been a big fan of him as a rapper, but he, he has done well in the investment game. Yeah. He, uh, he sold uh, Ring. Everybody knows about Ring. They got acquired for $1.1 billion. Um, And then also he was a part of a project called Pluto TV. And that sold to Viacom for $340 million. So it's like you, you look at the money these guys make outside of sports, outside of rap is astronomical. Like, if you look at Jay-Z and his business portfolio, he made way more money outside of rap than he's made in rap. And the same thing is true for Kanye. Kanye became a billionaire outside of rap. Granted, rap can get you rich, but business, that's what's going to take, that's what's going to make you wealthy. So it's dope to see. I think it, it kind of speaks to what's possible for any of us, whether you're a rapper or not. All of us should be investing. All of us should be looking towards the future because none of these companies are like the Gatorades of this world or like, think about it. Kobe got rich with body armor. And I I tell people the same way I approach real estate where I approach stocks is how you should be approaching the VCs. You're not going to be putting your money in Twitter. You want to put your money into the next Twitter. You want to put your money into the, and maybe not even the next Twitter into whatever is going to come after that because you kind of don't want to be the next something because you don't want to be last, you don't want to be competing, and Twitter still occupies that space. But I think it's a good conversation to have. I think we should talk more about these African-American people and men or women who are doing some cool stuff in the VC space, doing some stuff outside of just drama on TV. Yeah, I think we need to spread to shed a light on that a lot more. Like, uh, people, we, got, we have black people that have mutual funds. And investment firms, we got Avanaf Capital, we got Ariel Investments. These guys are major players, man. We got people out here doing big things, and we need to share that, show people. We that. never talk about it, man. It's, it's so funny. It's like we, everybody knows. It's, I saw Chris, he posted a tweet today, and it was probably one of the most powerful tweets that I've seen, but he worded it in a way that I wanted to word it. And it resonated with me because I was in the office and I was at the, at the printer. And there's this like this dude we hired and he all he was talking about was sports to me. And I was like, I don't want to have this long, detailed conversation about sports. I was like, I wish you knew this much about real estate as much as you know about what Luka Donvich did or what all these players that are coming back for the Mavericks. Like, like, why do we know so much about sports? We don't know shit about wealth and wealth changes your family. 
sports doesn't do anything for you. If anything, I've seen people level up by not watching any sports at all. And so Chris's tweet was basically like his, his sergeant was asking him like, oh, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who did this? And he knew all the answers. He's like, boom, boom, boom. He's like, I'm so smart. And then he was like, well, what's the range on your rifle or what should you do in this circumstance? He's like, I don't know, but I can find the answer. It's like, well, how come you're more well-versed and bullshit than you are and what can save your life? And finance knowledge, investing knowledge, all these things are going to change your life. Business knowledge is going to change your life. Knowing about all the latest celebrity gossip isn't helping anybody. So um, one cool thing this this dope is, I mean, in, gar- in regards to the stock market, the stock market was killing it today. Um, a lot of companies like are announcing stock splits. And so Apple and Tesla, they're announcing stock splits. And I just feel like people need to be careful because typically what can sometimes happen is that that value can become inflated. Then they can announce the split. And then the assumption is that more people are going to buy it at a cheaper price. That doesn't always happen, at least not immediately. And so you can announce a stock split and that stock could still slide down 20%, 30%. Cause I mean, let's take Tesla's overvalued, man. And then I think Apple's even overvalued in this space as well. So there's a lot of companies out there that are trading high, but it was a good day to be in stocks. So all my portfolios were up and I was mm-hmm. happy. Uh, yeah, so, so listeners, please do your research. Do some kind of research. Because, I mean, even I got it. You know, you hear the stock split. It's like, oh, we could get a share for $100 instead of $400. Get kind of excited, but is it really still a good deal for you? For you, that's what really matters. Is that the way you want to invest? Do you want to invest in uh, big stable companies that have been around for a while? Or do you want to invest in the next Apple, like Charles would say? You know, I know Charles, you don't go for the blue chips, right? A part, a part of investing is having foresight. Um, and so you got to realize, like, what are we investing for? We're investing to get a return on our investment a competitive return on our investment. Typically those blue chops, those blue chip stocks are done growing. So if your if your strategy is appreciation and growth, you're in the wrong space. And so all stocks aren't created equal. And I, I don't know if people know this, but you have your small cap, your mid cap, your large cap, your growth, your value stocks, your growth and income stocks, and your just straight income stocks. It's not just a stock. You have different types of companies at different levels. And so if you buy a company that's like a small cap or a mid cap, and I would say like, for example, you might look at Tesla and you're like, oh, Tesla is a $2,000 stock and Apple's a $400 stock or a $500 stock now. And you're over here making that comparison, but you don't realize like the market caps are way different. And so the stock price is irrelevant. And that's why you have to not only look at the price, you have to look at the market cap, the actual size of that company. You also have to look at its P ratio, how much are you paying per dollar per, or how much are you paying in stock price for every dollar that's reporting in earnings? And that's going to tell you whether it's inflated. I was looking at Tesla and their, their, their price to earnings ratio was like a thousand. And that's not normal. Most PE ratios are like 24, 12. And so that's going to tell you that it's probably overvalued. And so for me, um, research is very important. You should know all this data about whatever you're investing in. And it doesn't mean that like, I feel like sometimes people think research is going to tell them yes or no. Research isn't going to tell you yes or no. Research is going to tell you 
a probability. This is likely to go this way because my research, but they're looking for like, I got to find that number one indicator that's going to tell me it's going up and it still might go down. But if you take a long enough approach to the game, you can still recoup on those wins. But yeah, I'm not in blue chips. Um, I'm not, I'm not buying that stuff because I'm looking for appreciation. I'm looking for accumulation and I want my money to grow as opposed to once you get older, you can start kind of shifting into these stocks because they're not going to necessarily grow crazy numbers. They are going to grow enough to beat inflation, but they're also going to pay you a dividend. And so you have a combination of interest that you're looking to uh, maintain. You know, it's funny you say that um, doing your research doesn't necessarily tell you yes or no on whether or not to buy. It's all individual because you've got billionaires out there that will not touch a certain industry and they're investing. And then some of them do the exact opposite and they both win. Right. It's all about your goals, your objectives, your personality, your temperament. What are you looking for? I mean, it's funny that way. And that's, that's why I posted something and I was like, and it was funny because I posted it, but it was based on the tweet that I pulled from Tweet Talk. And it's that it's okay for experts to disagree. A lot of times you'll point out something that you like as an investment and somebody with a completely different investment strategy isn't just going to disagree. They're going to insult your logic. They're going to tell you, that's stupid. Why would you invest in that? I wouldn't invest in that because... It has a lot of debt. It has a lot of this. It has a lot of that. And my response is, we invest different ways. I'm not in, I don't want to invest in a great company hoping that it becomes a greater company. I want to invest in a struggling company hoping it becomes a good company. I'll double my money and you might get 15%. And so I'm focused on that as opposed to, because I've done the opposite. I've bought good companies at a high. I've bought Apple and I haven't made money in Apple. But every time I buy a beat down company, I kill it. And so that's just my space. And so people are going to see that and they're going to say, he's wrong. He's stupid. This is bad advice. And that's my Airlines. only thing is Sorry, we, can, we, we can disagree without insulting each other because it's, there's not one way to success. And a lot of times successful people, when they get successful, they think that their way is the only way. And if you disagree, it's not because you disagree. It's because you aren't smart as them. You aren't, you're stupid. And so they're going to go after you. And I feel like that's, I don't, I don't think that's intelligent. And we, we take the same approach every, in every kind of space. Politics is the same way. You disagree. Oh, you're a racist. You're a bigot. You're an uncle Tom. You're a coon. You're this, you're that. It's like, no, maybe my, my, maybe my growing up experience and environment was just different than yours. So maybe my perspective, my approach to problems is different than yours. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. I'm all these negative things. That just means I'm different. And I feel like we have to learn to, appreciate differences because there's value in differences. There's value in seeing it your way, just like there's value in seeing it my way. But if we dismiss each other, we don't grow. Yeah. Uh, it's like we said a few episodes back in like 55, we said we need all the approaches to work. We need people investing in blue chips. We need people investing in single stocks. We need some people that are going to be investing in mutual funds, real estate. We need every, We need everything. And you can't build a community of just all because we can all be like-minded, but we can't be same-minded. If you right. understand that right. one, it's like it's like the goal is to invest and build wealth. Period. The goal isn't to invest only in Tesla and build wealth. The goal isn't to invest only in A-class real estate and build wealth. It's to build wealth through investing, and there's a broad range of ways to do that. 
and to do it intelligently. And so like, for me, it's like, I don't ever really attack anybody's strategy. I'm a solution if you're making money in Apple and Tesla, congrats to you. Mm-hmm. And so disrespect me as such. Don't come from me when I share how I invest because I am damn successful at doing it. Uh, I mean, shoot. you invested in airlines, cruise lines. What's wrong with you, man? I see the opportunity, man. For me, I know I never forget. I always tell this story. Chipotle was going through issues and their stock went down to like $300 a share. Um, at its at its low low, and now that stock is trading for eight hundred dollars. So let's say you buy that at three hundred dollars, and then it goes back to six hundred, then it goes up to eight hundred. You tripled your money. Now let's say if you buy Chipotle now, after everything, the smoke is clear, we're all happy. Now you're buying at eight hundred, and you're like, I it, it has to go to sixteen hundred for you to double your money. How uh-huh. likely is it to go from eight hundred to sixteen hundred? Not very likely unless something amazing happens, unless they just be, start making the best burrito ever. And so I found if you want big returns, you got to go and buy what they hate. And this isn't a principle that I made up. This is a principle that I took from Warren Buffett. When I, when I had begun investing and I, I found that I kept losing money, I was like, oh man, I'm in the stock market. This is great. This thing is green. I'm going to buy it. It's a great company saying all these good things. And I was losing money. I was like, but it's a great company. It says it's a great company. Why am I losing money? It keeps going down after down after down. And I, and I found out that that's not how you do it. You have to recondition your mind. When a, when a real estate investor looks for a property at wholesale, what are they looking for? Problems, distress, bad press. When I look for stocks at wholesale, because you don't want to buy, if you buy a stock at retail, you're not getting a deal. So you got to buy a wholesale stocks just like you buy a wholesale property. And so when I go look for wholesale stocks, I'm looking for debt, airlines. I'm looking for distress, cruise lines. I'm looking for problems, hotels. That's an opportunity. And you want to know why I know it's opportunity? Because I've been doubling my money all through the coronavirus. I made about $70,000 over the last three months just in stocks, just in capital gains. And that's just in one account. And one account I made 70 and another account I made like 10 and another account, um, I mean, uh, that's my options account, so a little bit different. And then my other account, I, I put some more money, put some savings account, and I made like 14000 in that account. And so I say all that to say that sometimes folks got to stop debating the master and start taking notes. Smart people take notes. Dummies debate. But it's like, for example, it's like people are, I just, I just feel like I, I know what my investment strategy is and it works. And I'm not over here attacking you, telling you that you're wrong. And my numbers show that I'm right because I've been doing this for a long time. I didn't just start doing this for myself. I did it for the investment club two years ago. We get out, we got out 47%. We damn near doubled their money on a large scale in front of a lot of people. And the year before that, I made $20,000 trading options. And last year was flat. But it's like, I have a track record of doing this because I live this. That's what I do. I make my money investing. And so that doesn't make me better than anybody. It's just, I just happen to make money investing. Some people make their, they're living by being a nurse. Some people make their living by being an engineer. Some people make their living by being a doctor. I make my living being an investor. That doesn't make me any better than anybody. It just makes me that kind of person in that space. Right. Now, before we move on to some of the tweets, I, I think everybody listening, well, everybody really should 
start thinking of themselves in terms of being a stock. I sit there and really ask yourself, what kind of stock am I? Like Charles was saying earlier, are you a growth stock? I hope you're not a penny stock. <laughs> right? You know, penny stocks for those who don't know, stocks that cost less than what, five bucks. Anyway, I hope you're not a penny stock. If you're a penny stock, you got to raise your value. Are you a value stock, growth stock, blue chip? Where are you? You, you on the right way up? Are you steady like a blue chip? Ask yourself these questions and, and take a hard look at yourself. See what you got to do to get to the next level. Anyway, what well, you just said made me think of this tweet you had before. You said, if I catch my son out here looking down on other people while standing on top of the things I did for him, it's going to be a problem. Use your privilege to help others, not to look down on them. It's uh, the funny thing about that tweet is I tweeted it because I've seen people who do that. I've seen people who their parents bought them a car. And so they think they're better than other people because now they have a car that other people don't have. And I always, um, it's just funny to experience that, but then also experience the other side of that. And the other side of that is when you raise somebody up like that, they never really develop the drive necessary to get it for themselves. And so what happens is you end up lapping those people and then you kind of feel bad for those people. And so that's one piece of it. But also it's like, I don't, I'm not sure if you ever saw this thing about like Cliff and Claire Huxable when like they had this conversation with their kids and they told their kids, it's like, y'all ain't rich. We are rich. And so it's like, I don't want my son because I mean, you still got to raise somebody who's going to put the work in, who's going to hustle, who's not entitled, lazy, privileged, doesn't want to work. Because a lot of folks, when they are given those things, they just don't want to work. They're like, why work? I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do anything. I never had to do that to get anything in the first place. So why should I start now? And my son's not going to have that luxury. Um, He's going to, it's going to be expected of him to work. But also it's going to be expected of him to appreciate that everybody doesn't have that. And so it doesn't make them any less than you because you didn't create this. You have nice things because you have a family that made those things happen for you. But you still got to get out there and become the person that is worthy of having these things for yourself. And that's what I did. I always tell people like I could have stayed around my parents and lived a very good life. But I knew I wanted it for myself. I knew I wanted to go out there and get it for myself and grind for it so I could determine when I had certain things, when I went out to eat, what I ate. Um, and that was a grind. It wasn't fun. It was a struggle. It was frustrating. But on the other side of that is actually a life that is greater than your parents. And so I don't want my son just to do as much as I did because the other side of when you're that person who lives through your parents is your parents become that ceiling. You can never really get past your parents if you live through your parents or if you live based off of what they can do for you. And there's a big world out there, man. There's a lot of stuff out there. When you really start looking at how much things cost, it's amazing how affordable it is. Like it really only costs $2,000 a month to lease a Bentley. It's actually more like 1,700. So it's like Bentleys are actually more attainable than most people believe. And actually, and that's just, that's a Bentley. 
let's say you take it and you get like a Porsche, you get like something like an Aston Martin. You can be one of those for a thousand dollars a month. That means you could be over here living luxury, driving this nice car for a thousand dollars a month, Raphael. That's nothing. That is nothing. So anyway, I just, I want my son to have a level head. I know he's going to be blessed, but I don't want him to, to get so heady that he isn't a resource for his community. And that's just what I want for him. And that's what I want for myself. Oh, I know it was that cheap. 2000 a month. Most people think they have to buy those cars. And they're like, oh, this car costs $300,000. So I got to pay $300,000 in cash. Like nobody buys those things, man. <laughs> they lease it and they take it back. And maybe at the end of their lease, they're like, okay, well, I'll keep this. But the same thing is like true with like a house. Most people aren't just buying a house in cash. They're like, how much is the payment? Can I afford the payment? And so for me, you kind of want to just get it out of your system and you lease it and then you kick it back to the dealer. Hopefully be in a better position in, in two years if you keep hustling, building that business because things tend to compound on top of the business. It'd be cool to experience. Hey, you had a tweet saying, when you're reaching your dreams, you got reason to brag. Ambition over everything. But listening to a lot of Wale and that Wale album is slept on. Ambition. He was dropping bars. I probably could have had more bars from that album, but I only, um, I only um, pulled those. But he he dropped a lot in that album. Um, it's it's really. I mean, I kind of I think bragging in is kind of a good and bad thing because sometimes it puts a label on your back or a target in your back. And so, a lot of ways, like I don't try to advertise certain things. But what's crazy is people actually like seeing that stuff. You would think that people would say like, ah, stop talking about how much money you make. But people actually like it. And it actually gets you more following. It actually gets you more credibility. And so I know you're going to pull up this tweet where I was talking about um, how we need to have the academics actually become the people who have an opinion and a voice in our community. But what I'm realizing is people don't necessarily listen to just athletes and entertainers just because they listen because they're rich. And so people listen to rich people, whether they are rich for business or rich for music. They just listen to rich people and also because rich people tend to have a platform. So Kanye is always going to have a platform because he's rich. Anybody else, Master P has a platform because they're rich. People just care what rich people say. And I feel like that is what has to happen. If you're smart, but you ain't rich, nobody cares. But if you used your smarts to become rich, people are all ears because in actual people know that money solves all things. They just they just know every single every single thing you want in life is tied to a dollar. It's not tied to racism. It's not tied to privilege. It's tied to a buck. Every single thing that can be solved through money. And so I think that that's why people they listen when you have money, you get more followers. Even just like Chris, the dude has like 200,000 followers on Instagram and he all, and he's, he's very open and transparent about how much money he's making. Like he hides nothing. And I, I'm scared to put that out there for a few reasons. I think sometimes you attack, you attract competitors. Um, but a lot of times the haters back up because the haters ain't really been saying much. Now that we've been flexing when they thought like, when they thought we was just out of here, just BS and doing stuff. They're like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, honestly, Doe Dubes hasn't said much. 
like he was he was talking and he was saying something about an M and I was on my ghost account and I was like, Ty Billy's already already touched the M, bro. Catch up. And he was like, <laughs> Oh man, you should you should tweet me from your real account, not your burner account. And I was like, Why would I treat you on my real account so you can get my followers? Like, nah, I never I never mentioned them on my on my main pro- profile. So I'm not giving them no clout. I'm not giving them no shine. I want people to not even know they exist. So that was that thought. I mean, it's funny because when it really when it's when it's like a lyric, it's no thought behind that because I just heard it and I tweeted it. So it's not something I thought about mm-hmm. and then I put out there. So there's really no context, no added information. So it's like even like the Drake line. It's like it's a Drake line, just a Wale line. Gotcha, gotcha. If you're not real to me, if you don't feel me, you're not real to me. <laughs> you said it's my fault that people on here think they can speak for me. I was in school for so long that I got a late start building. But I dug that foundation deep. So the success will be very big. Glad you brought that up, sir. This I'm very glad you brought that up. Because when I got out of law school, I had to start building my business from the ground up. And there were people who saw the things that I had accomplished. And they didn't realize, like, I've only been doing this for a year. I've only been doing this for two years. I just started. And what happens is you're comparing your year two to their year seven because they might have started at like 25. And I, had didn't, I didn't get a chance to start until like 30. And so then I got to like 32 and I'd accomplished some things. And I never forget, Anita was like, you're over here bragging about stuff that's not really brag worthy. And so me being the person I am, I had to go and figure, create some stuff that was brag worthy. But I feel like in the beginning, people kind of looked at me as though I wasn't really that dude because all they saw was the degrees. All they saw was the education. And they didn't really realize like who I was before I went to law school. And the fact that when I was in law school, you literally can't do anything but law school. You can't invest in real estate. You can't have a business. You can't have any of that stuff. And so imagine if it's like a race and we're all at the starting line and that starting line is 25 and I take five years and I can't do anything. And you take five years and you just running, running, running. You're going to be ahead of me. And then you're going to think that you're ahead of me because you're better than me when really you're ahead of me because you got a head start. And also what happens is the fact that I was in like law school adds to my success. Like people listen to me because I have credentials. Like if I was just some dude just talking, I'd just be another dude just talking, but I'm a dude that has a degree in finance and a law degree and going to finish my MBA. I was thinking about that today. And so I have a very qualified opinion. And so people can sense that in my tweets. And that's why I think that education is valuable. Even if you're going to work for yourself, because you still have to elevate your thoughts. You have to elevate your problem-solving capabilities. And so one of the things that I think is interesting is I can pretty much run into anything and think through a solution. But I learned that through college and through law school and through grad school. And so if I'm out there and I'm running my business and I run into a problem, you just got to solve it. What I was saying basically is we got to keep it in perspective. A lot of people... They think that they are better than you. And I tell people, it's just a matter of time before I lap folks. And I already have. 
And the crazy part about it is I, I haven't stopped working. If anything, I started working harder. And so just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean that you are done. And we still got more stuff to do. We just figured out what really makes that money. And so I pull out that because it's kind of just letting these people know that I am that dude and I'm coming and I got that fire. And I kind of, I, I say it to put people in their place. Like, don't doubt Todd Millie. Don't doubt me, man. I don't know why they keep trying to doubt me. I don't know why they keep thinking I'm average, talking to me as though I'm just done working. It's like people will dismiss you and they'll think that since they dismissed you that you're done for. It's like, no, like, I'm going to still wake up. I'm going to still read books. I'm going to still drop content. I'm going to still level up. I was looking at the podcast that we were creating in like an, an influencer. And I ran into it with a lot of influencers, like a lot of people who have like a following. They're the people that want to like have comments because they kind of want you to stay in your place as well. They're like, nah, fam, this success is reserved for us. Stay where you at, son, and celebrate us. And they want us to celebrate them, but not actually become great. And I think that's one of the weirdest things because like none of them has really said anything dope to me ever since I've kind of been doing what I've been doing. Everybody's just kind of been like, oh, whatever. I know we downplayed him. We said he wasn't shit, but nobody showed up and was like, damn, man, you, you did it. That's dope, man. Keep it up. Dudes have. So like Hood Estates to show love. Um, a lot of the fellas have actually showed love, which is cool. But like a lot of people, they're just like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's envy or whatever, but I don't care because I don't do this for them. I do this for Nolan. And so at the end of the day, if your lame ain't Oglesby, your opinion does not exist to me. Yeah, you said, I'm too focused on picking up an M in Capital Gains by April 15th to care about what someone on the other side of Twitter has to say about me. Yeah, um, I forgot. I think Wale actually had uh, <laughs> a line, but he was just talking about how, like, I'm too focused on my goals to worry about what other people are doing, man. Worry about what they're doing, worrying about what they're saying, worrying about their opinions. Like those things aren't helping me get to my goals. If they were, maybe I would care, but they're not. If anything, they're detractors and they might prevent me from getting to my goals. Cause now I'm listening to people that are haters. And so I, I don't even think I do it on purpose. I just do it because it's not really possible to do both. I don't think it's possible to be focused on everybody else and accomplish what you have set out. And that's why they put blinders on horses. And so I got my blinders on and I don't see what anybody else is doing. I, I don't, I don't see what they're tweeting. If it's negative, it's, if it's going to slow me down, if it's detracting, because like, I know, I know, I remember when we first started out the course at first, the course was one, one chapter. That's it. It was one chapter. And I got a bunch of questions and I was like, damn, I got to beef this up. And so I added a second chapter, which is a Q&A. And then I added a third chapter, a fourth chapter, a fifth chapter. And now it's like five chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same thing with the options community. Like the options community, we started it. It was like a thousand people. And I, I ran into some turbulence and then we added some people and we added a bunch of conference calls and we added all this stuff. And so the criticism is unique because the criticism could stop you, but I use the criticism to refine me, but that doesn't mean that I want to see it all the damn time because some of it isn't fair criticism. Some of it's not constructive criticism and some of it's just lies. Like I posted something today about my TD Ameritrade account and somebody was like, 
what Charles uses something that's not Robin Hood? Because for a long time, the narrative was that all we do is trade on Robin Hood. And I told people, I've been investing in more advanced trading accounts my whole life. I came to Robinhood because the interface is sleeker. It has a lot more features. It has all the information I need right where I need it. And it's easy to use. It's easy to move money over there. I can move money and use it the same day. They give me margin. Like, I, I like Robinhood, but that doesn't mean that you're less of an investor because you use Robinhood. It's the same stock market. And people will try to do that because we live in a, like, we live in a culture that has poor people habits that we don't know are poor people habits. We just think that's the way we are. And so one of my favorite lines from Tyler when he was on the show is we were talking about like things that poor people do. And he was naming off all these things in Tyler's mix. And he was naming off all these things like, oh, they make excuses or, oh, they say things are too hard or, oh, they uh, talk about how risky things are. or Oh, they blame other people for their problems or they, they think they can't get ahead ever no matter what they do. And he attributed that to poor people, not to black people. But in actuality, a lot of that stuff sounds like common Negro talk that I see on the timeline every single day. Folks just having excuses, good reasons, complaining and whining and saying it's too hard, it's too difficult. And it's just interesting to me because people, they define, like I've never, like I was talking to this lady I work with and I told her, I was like, I never saw black as broke. Because I've seen wealthy black people and I've seen broke black people. Mm-hmm. But if you've never seen a wealthy black person, your definition of black is going to be poor. And if I tell you that it's not, you're going to call me a coon. Right. Which is funny. Man. If you have too high a standard and you're a coon, out of touch reality, I don't know what, what it is. You try to hold on to these things that we should not be trying to hold on to. For sure. But um, you said that people who point out black problems but aren't creating real businesses to solve them make me sick. I feel like in our culture, we we celebrate the wrong thing and we bash the, the wrong thing. And so you'll see somebody like Kanye who is creating jobs in America. He's putting people on. He's trying to change the narrative. He's trying to encourage like an end fatherlessness. Um, He's creating wealth and people will call him like, Oh, he's a coon. He's this, he's that. And then you see somebody who is like pro abortion. They are fighting for gay rights, not actual keeping families together. They could actually probably care less if the family stays together. Um, They're, they're fighting for immigrant rights or like all these other people's rights. Instead of just like pure black rights. And those are the people that get celebrated. And I think what's interesting to me is I don't think people think, man. I think they just take what everybody says and that's what they roll with. And it's frustrating because that's what I tell people, like, that's what college does for you is, is it allows you to think if you to get a degree in the right spaces. Because all degrees aren't thinking degrees, some degrees are memorization degrees. And so, like, Let's say, for example, like law school, like there really is no right law and law school answer. You take the information and then you apply it to the facts, but there's not really a right way to do it. Finance, you get you get the information and then you come up with the solution. But there's not like, I mean, there's a right answer, but it's not like you memorize the formulas and that's it. You have to apply the formulas to the information. But there's other degrees where 
it's like a research degree or it's like uh, like a sociology degree. And then your goal is to memorize a bunch of terms. So then when you see it in the real world, you can say, that's socialism, that's racism, that's bigotry, that's this, that's this, that's mis- misgender, cisgender. Like, and that's what they're good for is just pointing out stuff. And so I tell that to say that the black community needs more than just problem identifiers. Because if we, if all we can do is point at the problem, the problems aren't getting solved. We're just saying like, hey, there's a bunch of problems. And then 10 years later, like, hey, bro, there's a bunch of problems when we should be out solving them with a business. And so I don't, I don't respect anybody and I don't even, protest isn't solving a problem. There is no tangible result that comes from a protest. And that's why I don't believe in doing it. There's a tangible result that comes from building a business. You create jobs, you create income, you create wealth. You help people put money, food on their table. That's tangible. There's a tangible result to um, creating programs that teach students. They can go to better schools. They can get better jobs. They can start their own business if they want to. And so it frustrates me. And what I'm always telling people is like, man, and this is, I forget, um, uh, what's his name? He mentioned this. He was saying like, they had like in the beginning, all those like MCATs and LSATs, those tests were put in place to keep Jews out of schools. And so what do Jews do? They created programs to help their people study for those exams. I don't see us doing that. What we would do is we would say, look at them. They created these exams to keep us out. And then 50 years later, we'd be like, well, we would have created wealth, but they created those exams to keep us out. And so the same thing is true with like lending. The conversation is like, we would build wealth and own real estate, but they redlined us and wouldn't lend us to homes. Instead of creating the solution, I don't understand why that's so hard to understand. I don't understand why people don't just like, oh, damn, I could complain about this or I could solve this problem. If the problem is the problem, if I get rid of the problem, then we're good. It doesn't matter who solves the problem. What matters is that it gets solved. And the thing is, is we rather look at it. We, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, you know what I think it is? I don't think people even want success as much as they want an excuse. They want an excuse for why they didn't get it. It's not that they really want success because success is hard. So they're just like, well, I would be successful, but all these things that I, I those prevented me. Not me. It's not my fault. It's those things. And that's the, that's the difference. And I think that's what hurts people. And I think that maybe when your self-esteem is so low and you don't think that you're great, maybe what happens is, I don't even know how to really explain it, but I feel like if your self-esteem is low, like if you have a high self-esteem, you're not going to settle for not being successful. Like if you have an ego, if you have self-importance, like the idea of not winning doesn't really register with you. Like that's why I do what I do because I have a high opinion of myself and I put it out there. And so if I fail, then I'm going to be embarrassed. But I feel like if you have low self-esteem, when things don't happen for you, you're not embarrassed. You just kind of make an excuse for it. But for me, excuses don't fly because I, I know what I want and I know what I have I set up to accomplish. But I can't say that everybody else has that same opinion on themselves because they're just like, well, we just broke and we just poor. But I'm like, we don't, don't use that. We around here. Don't, don't we, it's not, we it's y'all. 
<laughs> Visit GetLacedLaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to GetLacedLaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out, guaranteed. That's www.getlacedlaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. What you were really saying, and you had a tweet, you said the secret is this, yo. Stop chasing money. Start solving problems. Yeah, man. I just I don't understand why we don't just do more of that. And maybe it's because we're taught to believe that the problems are insurmountable. And so it's like, why even try? Because, I mean, the idea and sometimes you got to set a, a goal that is that big. And so for me, I want the problems that are too big to be solved. Closing the wealth gap, man. 400 year wealth gap. Who would even think to attack that? Nobody in their right mind. They would just throw their hands up. And they would say this is impossible, but it's not impossible. All these things, not only are they are, are possible, but we've done it before in the past. And so people will see diversity and they'll say, oh, we need more six-figure jobs. We need more of this. And so they think that it's white people's job to do it for us instead of saying, well, why don't we create tech companies? Why don't we pull together our money and finance our own tech companies? That's what a progressive company would do. or That's what a pro- progressive community would do. They would say, how can we solve our own problems? I feel like we've just been taught to believe that it's not possible. And so we never even really try, even though we could be solving a lot of the things that we think that we can't. And, but I know that we can. And I think that I've always said this, but we have a lot of problems as a community, which is a great thing, because that means we got a lot of different opportunities to make money. And if we would just approach it as that, I think not only would we accomplish our goals, but I think we would get a lot more respect from other communities because they're too busy solving their own problems to be trying to solve our problems and their problems. And so they're looking at us just sitting around like, man, we can't do it. It's impossible. And they're just like, y'all are pitiful. They look at us like, y'all are pitiful. Like, do something besides just like, sit around waiting for somebody else to do it for you or give you some crumbs off of the table that they've already finished eating their meal from. I don't know why everybody doesn't understand that. I don't even understand why I have to even say it because I just think it's common sense. So their own problems. It's kind of like, you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it just makes too much sense. Like you have all these kids who are falling behind in school and not being educated. And so our solution is maybe we need education reform. Instead of saying, like, no, create a school, bro. Do something, bro. Like, in in Irvine, there is a, it's like a Russian school of mathematics. And so the kids, they go to regular school, like regular kids, and then they go to their math school. Asian people are the same way. I think John Henry was talking about how, like, he would leave school, and then his Asian uh, friends who he went to school with had more school afterwards. And I think they even had school on Saturday. And so we wonder why they're getting ahead because they're not just waiting on the government to save us. The government doesn't save any group in America. If, even if we're talking about like the Indian Americans, they took all their land. And then they're like, here, keep this little piece for you. This is you. Do whatever you want with it. And quite honestly, I think they had the alternative. 
I want to say that they had the, they gave them an option and they took the more empowering option. They're like, no, we want our own land. We don't even want to be involved with what you guys have been going on. We just want our own land. We want sovereignty. We want to be able to build what we want to build. And that's what they've done. Granted, they get a lot of money. The government gives them a lot of money, but that's kind of what I think we should have done. We want an integration in any time where you see integration happening. Usually it doesn't end well for the person who was integrated. But if you look at like Chinatown, you look at like people who kind of just like set themselves to the side, it allows you to focus on being the end all be all for you instead of having somebody else be the end all for you. Right. And um, kind of goes back to what you were saying about having low self-esteem. And we can bring up that esteem by doing stuff. That's what you bring up your esteem by doing stuff. Like you say, uh, competence leads to confidence. Start all small and just keep building. You make mistakes, but you just you get better. The better you get, the better you feel about yourself. And the better you feel about yourself, the more you can do. I was um, I was in the elevator and somebody sent me this tweet. And usually when people send me tweets as some nonsense, but it was a tweet. And it was somebody who, when Jay-Z was creating the Watch the Throne album, like Jay-Z woke up, he did like, like an Oprah interview. And then after the Oprah interview, he went and he um, like went sightseeing with Beyonce and they went out and they had like lunch and dinner. And then after that, he had a concert. Then after that, he was just up by recording something. And like he stands up in the mansion. He's like, who's going to catch up to me? Who is going to match my drive? And he was shocked because he was saying that you would think that somebody with that level of success will be chilling. But it speaks to what you were saying is like, once you accomplish something, that's actually confirmation that you could do it. And so then you just want to do more of it. And that's why it's like success is actually empowering. When you accomplish a goal, it's like, what's the next goal? Because not only do you like that feeling, but you feel as though you can accomplish it. When I got through college, I was like, well, I didn't think I could get through college, quite honestly. Like, I was talking to my mom and we were talking about how, like, my mom has this friend and she's another CPA, but her kids went to, like, Ivy League schools. And so there's this comparison between, like, me and, like, her kids. And so people don't realize, like, people like to have to measure up with other people's kids. And so, like, they're African-American. And, like, so her son went to law school. I went to law school. And he went to, like, an Ivy League school. And I was talking about how, like, a lot of people who go to, like, these Ivy League schools get placed there versus, like, actually pushing themselves to get there. So I was like, yeah, her, his mom thinks that he's at a higher level than me because maybe he went to a better law school. But I'm going to outwork you because your parents can't show up to your job. Your parents can't show up and build your business. Your parents can't show up and promote and advertise what you have going on. You got to do that for yourself. Basically, now that I've accomplished certain things, it's like you just set a different goal. And it's funny because Chris sent me a DM when I posted the two and he was like, now we got to touch 10. And I was like, actually, I was aiming at 100, but 10 is cool too. (laughs) (laughs) You said, bro, I had the vision. You focused on reality. I focused on what I wanted to create. Um, as I was, I woke up this morning and the stocks were doing pretty well. I woke up at like four o'clock and I went back to sleep. When I woke up at four, the pre-market on my stocks was up $6,000. And that doesn't always mean that it's going to stick. Sometimes it'll open high and then it'll fade into the, into the open. 
And that's actually what happened. It opened at like six and then it went down to like zero. And the next thing I look up and it was like up 11,000. And then it was up like 14,000. And then it was up 17,000. And I need you to refresh me on this tweet again. What was the tweet again? I'll be going off it. I like, I start thinking about what I'm going to say and thinking about the premise of the tweet. And then I forget the tweet. Oh, you said, um, bro, I had the vision. Right. You focus on reality. I'm focused on what I wanted to create. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, it's crazy because I was doing the the math on like a Bentley. I was like, it costs $2,000. But this is also at the same time when I saw like launch pass paid me like 20 this morning. And I was like, that's crazy. I was like, LaunchPass paid me 20 and I made like 17 today. I was like, I can do anything I want to do. I could buy anything I want to buy. But I never forget, like five years ago, I was in Long Beach and I saw a Bentley and I took a picture of me standing in front of the Bentley and this girl sent me a DM and she was like, black people always doing that. They always um, taking pictures in front of cars they can't have. And I always, and then I had another girl. I used to be really close to somebody on Twitter, and this is why sometimes people on Twitter, I kind of watch them with a grain of salt because they might be hating me and soon. And she was like, "This I don't know if, I don't know if you ever remember this girl. She was a, a pharmacist from Florida, and her name was like Farm D or something, Miss Farm D. And she like tried to go to law school at FAMU, didn't work out for her. But she made that comment to me also. She's like, Charles is always taking pictures in front of cars that aren't his. And then I like I put the two and two together and I was like, I always knew what I was working towards. I always knew what I was hustling toward. I always knew that I wanted to eventually have these things. I might not have them now, but I take them because I want to manifest it. I want to keep it. I want to continue to draw myself towards those things. The watch I'm wearing right now, I took a picture of this like seven years ago and I was like, I want a Panerai. And at that time, I didn't have Panerai money. I didn't even have the credit card balance to give me a Panerai. And now I got a mother effing Panerai. I used to take pictures of like BMWs, entry-level BMWs, nothing even crazy, like a three series. And then I got my entry-level Lexus and I was like, this is cool. And then I got Lexus I drive now. And so I've always grown up in like a faith-based household. And so I was talking to, I think I did like a podcast interview and they were talking about how like a lot of churches, they teach poverty. And like a lot of our communities, they teach poverty. I was never taught that. I grew up in a faith-based, what do we call it? Prosperity teaching church. And so I've been taught vision. I've been taught faith. I've been taught all these things since a very, very young age. And so I've always been taught to have that vision, to see what you want, to work on what you want. And so what I'm saying is like people, they will will see you trying to like work towards something and they're going to point at reality. And it happens all through the life of an entrepreneur to the point where you have to kind of just start realizing like everybody's not qualified to speak to you. Everybody's not qualified to give you their opinion. Everybody's not qualified to give you their advice or speak into your life. Like successful people are very particular about who they allow to speak into their life. If you're bringing doubt, unbelief, fear, lack of vision, if you're pointing at reality, if you're pointing at circumstances, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I'm focused on what we can build. I'm focused on what's possible. I'm not focused on what happened in the past. I'm not focused on how heavy these weights are. I'm not focused on how hard this run is. I'm focused on what's on the other side of that. 
And I feel like so many more of us need to adopt that mentality because it stops people from getting started before they get started. And that's the problem. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you didn't even try. And you didn't try because somebody told you it's not even worth trying. And a lot of times, it's not, somebody who, it's not even somebody who tried. Or what's worse is somebody who tried and failed, but they're not you. They aren't you. People automatically assume that if they can't do it, that you can't do it. And in some respects, I feel like they feel that way because they don't want you to do it because they don't want you to show them up. So they're just like, man, I failed. Don't even try. But there's a lot of things that I've accomplished that my parents haven't accomplished. There's a lot of things that I've accomplished that other people haven't accomplished either. I just feel like you got to run your race and you got to be on your journey because there's always going to be naysayers. And then you know what happens? They circle back and they're like, man, congrats on what you're doing, man. One of the biggest critics that I have, because the more successful you become, the more successful your critics become. I don't really get criticized by nobodies anymore. I'm getting criticized by big people with big influences. A lot of times people that I've put on my podcast. And so it can cause you to to doubt yourself. And this is why I was talking about having education allows you to trust your decisions. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care who says I'm wrong. I don't say, I don't care who says Robin Hood is not it. I don't care who says buying value stocks isn't good. I don't care what anybody says because I'm just so convinced in me. And so that's just where I am mentally, man. And it's, it's tough because when you're younger, especially if you don't come, like for me, my goal is to reinforce these things in my son. I want him to know you are great. I want him to know that you are amazing. I want him to know that he can do whatever he puts his mind to do. I want to know he has a support system. I want to know that it might be difficult, but you can press through and get to the other side. I don't, I don't want him to have to guess because I feel like when I was younger, I had these ideas and I had, I, it, came, it came up against resistance and I just had to have faith in myself because I, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, everything I've been doing my entire life has been tracking towards this point, but I've been meeting a lot of resistance my whole life. I was thinking about like, because the tweet that I posted and I was talking about like poor people don't realize they're doing poor things. And I was like, my whole life has been me tracking towards doing wealthy things. Like I emulate that in my life. And so that's why I get certain haircuts as frequently as I do. I want to be clean cut because I feel like being clean cut tracks you towards wealth. I wanted to dress well because I feel like dressing well and being presentable tracks you towards wealth. I wanted to eat at certain restaurants, stay in certain hotels drive certain cars, wear certain watches, have certain degrees from certain schools, because I feel like those things track you towards wealth. I'm not just living life haphazardly, but my whole life I've met resistance. When I was in college and I wanted to dress up and actually look presentable, people were like, why are you dressing like that? We the campus thugs, we sigmas, we're not supposed to be doing all that. And I was like, because I know what I want out of life. I know what I'm aiming for. When I was doing all these different things. I've been the same person my entire life. Now I'm just that person. It's just manifested. I've gotten to the other side. And a lot of it's because I really just got a chance to really start sprinting on top of everything that I've accomplished. That's cool. Now you're accomplishing stuff. You said public service announcement. That expensive stuff you see is from Boston. And I came to the office and I forgot what I was doing. I forgot what I was doing that made me have that revelation. But when I tweeted that, it wasn't even, oh, so I came to the office and I was like, man, 
I think I I was kind of trying to figure out what I was doing. And then I think at that time I saw what happened to this to my stocks because I don't really count my gains until the market closes. Like during the day, stocks go up and down. I don't really say this is how much money money I made on that day until the market closes because I've made money and then lost it that same day. And so I was like, damn, I made 17 grand today. I was like, that's crazy. And then I was like, as I was leaving the office, I have like a set of cologne in the office. I have a set of cologne at house at, at home. And I like sprayed my bond number nine. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, everything I have that I want, none of it came from the job. None of it. And I was, and then I had this revelation. I was like, the dope stuff is for bosses. And so the reason why I made that tweet isn't to say like, this isn't for you. It's to tell you to become a boss. So if you want nice things, you got to boss up. You got to become your own boss. You got to get your true value. I started thinking about like all these things that exist that are expensive and they might seem out of touch. They're not out of touch to bosses, but they are out of touch to people who aren't a boss. And so that was just kind of that revelation I had because I was really sitting there. I was like, damn, I'm about to go back to this job that doesn't give me any of the stuff that I really wanted. You just kind of just like be living, just tolerating stuff. And I think another thing is I was looking at like, cause I had to buy a new suit and I was like, damn, I forgot that suit cost $600. I used to be tripping when a suit cost $300. And now I just casually bought like a $600 suit and then a $500 suit at the same time. I was like, just send them here. And like, honestly, I don't really spend that much money anymore. I'm just kind of like over it. But even like those, I didn't even buy the headphones. I was like, I don't even know headphones, like whatever. And so I just, I feel like a lot of people see me pushing the entrepreneurship and they're like, well, everybody's not meant to have it be an entrepreneur. Like, well, all right, well, enjoy the projects then, fam. Like if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, enjoy the projects. And I don't want to hear nothing that you got to say about anybody else and what they're doing because they chose to build something and solve problems and help people. And I feel like one of the most selfish things you could do is stay broke because you're not helping anybody. We created a podcast and people's lives are being changed because we decided to build something. People's lives are being changed because we decided to sell something. We decided to create a community. We decided to give them free game, give them information that's going to change their mindset in their life. And if we had more of us doing that, we'd have less problems. And so my question is like, do you really want less problems? Or do you just want to complain all the time? Like I, 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 I judge people by their actions, not their words. You can say whatever you want, but if you haven't yet put something out there to help somebody, I don't believe you. I just think you might be retweeting something that came across your timeline or just hashtagging something. Uh, you also said each of us runs a million dollar business. Some of us just get the millions and others don't. Skip the middleman. I think everybody got that one. Yeah, I had this revelation and uh, I forgot why I got that revelation. Why did I get that revelation? Basically, man, I forgot why I had that revelation. I just, I know that I've just been seeing people who um, they celebrate making six figures and they celebrate their high income. and it's like you you just made your boss a whole bunch of money and you're having a party as if you made a bunch of money. And I feel like back when people were slaves, that's what they used to do. Like if the master got sick, they're like, we sick boss. And they would celebrate their master's wins or their master's failures as if they were their own. 
And I feel like that's sometimes what people do because I literally have feel like employment is slavery at this point. I've been thinking about that. This morning, I really had a revelation. I was like, employment is definitely slavery and I got to get free. So um, what's that tweet again? Each of us runs a million dollars. Right, 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 right. And so I just started thinking about all these businesses. And when I used to work in Watts on the weekends, I was like, that's a million dollar business, but they weren't paying me a million dollars. And I was running that business. Or in the law firm, like we handle all the cases. He literally just shows up to his office and then his lawyers are like, hey, we settled this case, boss. And then they take all the money. And the same thing is true with any other business that you're involved in. If it wasn't a million dollar, multi-million dollar business, it likely couldn't afford to pay you in the first place. Why did I bring that up? I bring it up because if you can run somebody else's business, you can run your own. The thing is, you don't have the confidence in yourself to put yourself out there. And that's one of the things that I run into with a lot of people that's very frustrating. Uh, my mom is this way. My mom, God bless her. I told her, and I don't know why parents are like this. Parents don't like to listen. I told her, I was like, you need to be promoting and advertising what you're doing while you have a job. You need to replace your income while you have a job. And I've been telling her to start her own business for the longest time. And now she gets this revelation like, hey, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm like, you don't got the income to replace your job yet. You don't get to like just jump off the cliff. You yeah. need to be doing what you're doing before you leave. Yeah. And she can. And she and what's frustrating is we want these jobs to value us and, and they just aren't, they're not going to value us. But our community will value us. Our community will laud you up and tell you that you are great. On the same hand, they'll slander you and tell you that you ain't shit. But there is a half of the community that loves you and wants you. And so I keep telling my mom, like, you got to serve these people. There's people out there who aren't CPAs that have tax companies and they're doing well. She's a CPA. Get more clients. And even so much so, I've been telling her, like, it's not even your responsibility to do the tax work. Stop doing the tax work. Stop it. Just bring in the clients and then pass it over to Sheridan. Pass it over to somebody else. We'll bring on somebody and that's what they do. That's what business owners and bosses do. We got to start thinking like business owners and bosses because if you, I was told, like if you get in the weeds, you might as well be an employee. If you're going to do employee level work, you might as well be an employee. You should have just kept the job, probably made more money. But if you're a boss, you got to step out of that stuff. I'm actually to the point where I'm going to start one-on-one consulting and it's not going to be me on that call. So a part of me doubling my prices is so I can pay people to work for me. And so I doubled my consulting. So now 15 minutes costs you hundred bucks. I will pay my consultants 50 bucks and I will take 50 bucks. 30 minutes costs $200 now. I'll pay my consultants hundred bucks and I'll take a hundred. I don't have the time, but if, if I can do business like that, now I'm making money without being present. Robert Kiyosaki says, if you have to be there, it's not a business. A lot of people got jobs that they think are businesses. Um, and that's just all I got to say about that. All you got to say about that. He also said, you know what? Fuck security. And he said, security keeps you small. So I was thinking about this today because I was like, I got to leave this job, man. And um, I was trying to think of a way to kind of talk about like why we stay at a job. And we stay at a job because we want that guaranteed paycheck that's not really guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the unfortunate thing about that is now you're not really hungry. You're not really pushing. You're not really hustling. You're just like, okay, well, I'm going to just put my little time in, go home because I'm tired. 
And I feel like if you don't have that, that guarantee that you're going to get the next money, I don't think you are working eight hour days. I don't think you're taking vacations and weekends and days off and just chilling and watching TV. I feel like you create this sense of urgency where you got to find more deals. And I feel like that sense of urgency is why entrepreneurs earn more because you never know when that next check is going to come. You never know, like any, each second that is wasted is money that could have been made when you are on your own. But if you're at your job, you can bullshit the whole day, make up some stuff, get paid. If you're a boss, you can't bullshit the whole day. You have to remain productive at peak levels to reach the money that you're going to make. But what's dope is that if, if you're working 12, 16 hour days, seven days a week, you're going to find some success, especially if you're just pushing towards what you're working towards. And this is why I tell my wife all the time, like well, not all the time. I just told her recently, she got um, one of her first event planning gigs. And so my wife, she does great events. She does all our events. I always know I'm walking into something amazing. And so we went to, we went to a birthday party and it was a little bit underwhelming to say the least. And I was telling her, I was like, you could have, you could have hooked this up. I feel like if you would have had your hand on this, it would have been next level. And so one of our friends, she has a daughter, actually our photographer, she has a daughter who's having a birthday party. And so she told my wife that she wanted her to create the photo wall. And then um, it turned into like her doing this whole full scale thing. And so I told my wife, I was like, you have, I, I want you just to commit this year to doing nothing but building your business. And let's see what we can do in a year. Because not only does she have her efforts, she also has my efforts because it's a team sport and you can't work the same job. I can't show up to her job, but I can help her run this business and my mom can help her do the books and anybody else, her mom can help her put together different things, but you can't get that on a job. And that's kind of what I was saying there is, I, if you have that time that I'm basically giving her, I'm saying, hey, don't worry about no bills. Take every single day and market your brand, promote your brand, advertise your brand, send out letters to corporate company because she can do corporate events as well because that's what she was doing before she left her job is she was doing corporate level events and that's next level money. They're paying you thousands to plan their events and they have a budget for it. And so I'm like, you got a 10 exit. We got to be hitting everything. We got to be calling these people, these people, these people, these people. I was like, you can make a quarter million dollars this year. And if not this year, you could at least replace the salary. And then the next year you could be doing even more. And I was like, then you look up and we got you, your own LLC. You got your own bank account. You got your own office. And so one of the things that jobs rob us of more than anything is our time. And we always talk about this. And Chris talks about this. All the money, like I, I don't, I have a business that is a real estate business and I don't even have the time to talk to lenders because lenders are open nine to five. When do I, I don't want to have to fit in having this conversation with lenders. Imagine if I could just walk in one day I came here and I was like, let me just get on the phone with these lenders. I took care of it. I can't even progress my business forward. I can't even go to my vending machines. I can't even check on the rental properties because I'm having to work my entire massive business around a bullshit ass job. My business is much bigger than my job, but my job steals all my time and it steals the best hours of my day. 
So unfortunately, they pushed back the construction of our house. We were just out there yesterday and it was so crazy. They, they knocked down two of the homes. We're in like a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. And so there's like six homes around this cul-de-sac and there was a fire in two of the homes, not our home, but in two of the homes. And so they literally had to knock down those homes, bro. Like we went over there, it was nothing but a pad. And so unfortunately, now they pushed back our closing date until December. Whoa. So you know what that means? That means I got to continue to work this bullshit ass job. But honestly, my strategy, I'm like, you know how much, you know how much money I can make in three months? I was like, if, if I, if I just kept, if, if I kept the pace that I have right now in three months, we'd be good. In three months, it wouldn't even matter because we have the rest of August. We have all of September, all of October, all of November, three months. If I made half as much money as I'm making right now, we'd still be straight. And so part of my strategy is make the money, hustle up this cash, and let's just buy the house in cash because I feel like it's an investment. Now you have net worth. So it's like, instead of keeping the money in savings, just put it into a house. Mm-hmm. Like the, the savings is going to pay me 1% on my money, but the house is going to pay me probably seven. And I get to live there. Right. I would rather do that shit, right? I think that's, but it's so foreign. Like when you're, when you're doing something like that, I don't know anybody who's, nobody in my family has ever done that. And so you're, you're running into uncharted territory. So it's scary. And you're just like, man, like, I don't know. Should I do it? Should I not do it? I'm scared. Um, but hopefully, if we get three more months and like she's worried because quite honestly, she's not going back to work. And so we're using the pay stubs that she had when she was, when she was working. Because mm-hmm. up until the day that she doesn't work, that was what we're using to qualify for the loan. But a part of me is like, I think it's kind of good that we don't really have that option anymore because it's not the reality of our situation. So I'd rather use these three months. Let's figure out what we got to do. And let's just, I mean, I'm not really, like these lenders, they be acting like they control your destiny, Raphael. These lenders act like they get to decide whether you get a house or not. I'm like, you don't, you, uh, Kelly, Kelly, you don't get to tell me whether my son's growing up in this neighborhood or not. I made that determination, Kelly. We both breathe the same air, both got the same blood. And that's what bosses do. Some bosses they're like, they won't give us a loan. What are we going to do? Uh, we oppress. We victims. And other people get what they got to get done. And, that's, and, and, I'm, and years later, I'm still a boss and you still got a job. Maybe you might want to break the cycle. I feel like that was a, <laughs> that was a dream. Ain't that that was a dream, man. man. Boss. Yeah. Kelly, I told, my mom, I told my wife, I was like, these white folks ain't going to tell me what I'm going to do. They're not going to tell me if I'm going to buy a house or not buy a house. Like, honestly, that's where most of my hustle came from. I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, I used to work in downtown LA and I got fired from a job and everything came crumbling down. And that lit a fire in me. That lit a fire in me to never, ever, ever get in that situation where somebody could take me super high and then have the power to bring me down. And so people see me pushing business and pushing ownership and all this stuff. And a part of it is that it's not just the money. It's a security. Part of buying a house in cash is knowing that this job can't just say, Hey, we don't want you to work here anymore. And now I'm over here. Like, what am I going to do? No, I don't want to ever feel that ever again. It's one of the worst things ever. Cause like jobs are temperamental. You never know how fast you can find a job, especially not now. So imagine Reading yourself of that forever. 
that pain pushed me to my promise. And so I know Eric Thomas, he was like, I use, like, we all kind of go through painful situations and circumstances. The question is, are you going to use that pain to empower you? Or are you going to use that pain to just not do anything? And I've always used pain. Like, even if, if I'm posting the picture in front of a car and somebody's like, you ain't never going to get that car. In my mind, I feel like I am going to get that car. So you saying I'm not, that hurts. People saying, I, I, I have a big chip on my shoulder. Like there's this book called The Triple Package. And it talks about how like you need three things to be successful. You need self-control. And I feel like my self-control just comes into just like not spending money on dumb shit, not taking dumb vacations, not buying Gucci belts and I can't afford Gucci belts. But the other is you have to have a superiority complex. You have to feel as though you're great. You have to feel as though you're great, better than others. And I feel like I got a superiority complex. There's actually, there's this girl and she used to say that about me on Twitter. I, I went to college with this girl named Fancy4. You guys probably follow her on Twitter. I actually used to, she used to like me back in the day. And she used to follow my tweets. And she's like, this guy, Charles, is always trying to put himself above people. He's trying to put himself above people. And I was like, I don't know. I, I guess it kind of played out the way I wanted it to play out, Fancy4. So Raphael's going to find this girl. She's actually kind of an attractive girl. Um, aside from that, you also have to have a chip on your shoulder. So the third piece of this triple package is despite having the superiority complex, it's balanced by thinking that you aren't enough. And thinking that you aren't enough pushes you to continue to go harder and go harder and always have something to prove to somebody. And I feel like I always have something to prove to somebody. And so the triple package actually plays into like more immigrants. Immigrants have this mentality. So maybe you can relate, Raphael. But for me, I feel like I've kind of been raised as like an African-American conservative person to have like an immigrant mentality. And so that's why I think the way I think. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that should be the new term for, the, for mortgage lenders. No Kelly's going to stop me from this good. Tell me where I can live. Ain't no, ain't no Kelly's telling me I can't be great, man. Apparently that's the thing these days, though. Rashana was talking about how like lenders are getting more tight on their guidelines um, due to COVID and whatnot. And so they're finding any reason to deny you. And so the reason why they told me that they weren't going to approve the loan is because my student loan situation, apparently I didn't have an approved income-based repayment plan. And uh, so what they do is they take the amortized, they take like the fully amortized part of your loan and it, which is like 1% of your loans. And since I went to law school, my law school loans are like six figures. They're like, your debt to income's out of whack because of this. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't even send me an email talking about like, oh, this is what you have to change. She just sent a straight denial. Wow. And then didn't, didn't respond to no emails, no phone calls, nothing. She's like, no, nah, we ain't approving this loan. And so me being the chip on the shoulder guy that I am, I'm like, now nah, I got to prove Kelly wrong. Now I got to get this stuff done. So we went out, we got the documents that we needed. And then they sent us a letter. Now they're like, oh, we're friends again. Here are the rest of your documents. So it's funny because when I meet people in person and they realize and they see like us doing stuff, like when you're a young black man, you go buy a car in cash with a cashier's check. They're like, who the fuck is this dude? Or like when you do different things, people are like, who is this guy? I was like, y'all don't realize like I'm that nigga. <laughs> who's this rapper i'm that n-word man let them know like they're like how are you putting because i'm putting like um they're like how are you putting this what do you do again for a living i was like 
I'm that N-word for a living. That's what I'm doing for a living. <laughs> but like they don't realize, like, people don't realize, like, we I feel like we gotta stop downplaying education because I feel like education is empowering. And we always we, for the longest time, people are like, what did they what was the thing? Like education is power, knowledge is power. And they don't realize like I'm a very knowledgeable person. And that's not to be arrogant, but like I walk in these places, like you guys see my student loans. That's because I've been to law school and I have a strong undergrad degree and I have half of grad school on my thing. I'm not a dummy. I'm not a dum-dum. And even my friends, they don't realize it. Like they get around me like I didn't know Charles was this deep because I've never been a job person. And so people assume like just because you're not tracking towards certain things in a job that you ain't shit. It's like, no, I just don't. I'm not over here chasing that job shit. I'm not. Over, I, I'm trying to get a boat, Raphael. My son needs a boat. I'm like, damn, it was Sunday. I was like, we don't got nothing to do. I was like, we could have took the boat out, wife. Let's go get a boat. You know what I'm saying? Boat dreams, boat. man. They're going to tell me I can't get a boat. Like, Charles can't get a boat. Like, okay. But I feel like even with boats, I think people still kind of finance those as well. So, you I mean, you buy a boat, it's probably like a 15-year loan, like a 10-year loan or something crazy. But... And then if I get a boat, then I can start renting it out. That's all I was thinking. Then it becomes like a boat renting business. Next level. But for real, I want all the Tweet Talk listeners, when you hear this, go on your Twitter and tweet out, say, Kelly, you can't tell me where to live. Put hashtag Tweet Talk. Kelly, you can't tell me where to live. Hashtag Tweet Talk. And don't even put any more context. No no more context. Tweet that out. Kelly, you can't tell me where to live. Hashtag tweet talk. I let them know white people tell me what I can't do, man. Okay. I, but then again, I don't let black people tell me what I can't do either. I don't let anybody tell me what I can't do. Right. That note, to wrap it up. Oh, there was a tweet that I thought you were going to bring up. Man, it was, man, I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I didn't want to jump ahead because I figured that you would bring it up. And it, was I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Dang. Oh, it was about um, people not wanting to do anything for their community unless there's a dollar attached to it. And I thought you were going to ask me that tweet. And what people don't realize, everybody comes to me and they're like, bro, like, um, man, you made this money. That's so great. And I was like, you don't realize that I did this shit for free for three years. I invested in the community for three years for free. And so what does it look like when you're doing those things? You might have to work a bullshit job on the weekend. People are going to see you like, oh, he works here. He's doing this. Like, because I was doing shit to build a business for free. And so I would challenge people, if you really want change in your community, be willing to just change shit for free. Don't Mm -hmm. always be out there trying to charge people thousands of dollars. Don't always be out there trying to, like, wait until you get funding. Do whatever you can where you are. If it's a podcast, start a podcast. If it's a meeting on once a week, like, it frustrates me to no end that we have young kids falling behind in schools. And I know people who are teachers, but they don't have, like, a virtual tutoring program. It's frustrating because I look at the problems, but I can't solve all the problems, man. I just try to solve the problems that I can solve. My, my space is financial literacy. And a lot of that stuff I do for free or a low cost. And for the longest time I did it for free, we're doing 
weekly meetings, monthly meetings for free. Help your community, man. I don't know why I have to beg people to help people, but those same people do not wait to tell white people what they're supposed to do, to tell cops what they're supposed to do while they sit on their fucking ass doing nothing. It is very frustrating. Like, I just don't understand it. And then when I do see it, I definitely celebrate it. Like, there is this one girl when I was in Watts, and she created this program, and she was taking kids to college and all that stuff. Like, that's what we need. We need, we need a community that's just dedicated to improvement. And until we get to that point, I don't want to hear nothing about no problems that you ain't solving. If you ain't solving the problem, shut the fuck up. Shit. I think that's a good place to end it. Right there. Be sure to check out Charles's piece in Forbes. You can just Google that, Forbes, Charles Oldby. Really? I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Bring it up, man. That's crazy, man. Sorry to type it in. It, it, it finished it for me, man. That's crazy. I'm famous, man. Famous. Is this... um? That's her, yep. <laughs> you would think she has more followers than that, but she doesn't. I don't know why. She tweets her ass off, but she doesn't have many followers. I don't think I've ever seen this person. All right, Raphael, wrap it up. I got to right. build some business credit with Paris, and we're trying to get some deals. Cool, cool, cool. P. Millie in the house. All right, shout out to the sponsors, investasateam.com, home of the You Can't Fire Me, the Boss t-shirts. Official merch of, of building generational wealth. Also, the other the other sponsor, Get Lace Laces. A great outfit. Gave you some new laces for your sneakers. Shout out to all the guests that have been on the show. Shout out to Charles. Hitting 2 million once again. But getting on Forbes. Also, happy birthday, Leo season. You still celebrating? Uh, I'm worn out, man. I, I did. I did Thursday, I did Friday, and then Saturday I was worn out. And I had to work on Saturday, too. I ended up, I was only going out there to look at the vending machine. Ended up having to actually service, like, three locations. So, I mean, on one hand, it's, it's not fun servicing them. But on the other hand, if you're servicing them, that means there's money in them. So, it's all good, man. Right, remember, right. Don't, remember, don't buy airline stocks or cruise line stocks or hotels or anything else is being beat down by COVID because they're not good companies. Instead, buy all these other companies and leave all the money for us because we're going to make the money and all the stuff that they said that we're dumb for buying. Right, right. And you can follow us on social media. You can follow me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also at Todd.Capital. Also at Vessel Black Man. Be sure to follow the new luggage brand at Views Lifestyle underscore. Also follow the show at Tweet Talk Podcast on Instagram. Now for episode 61, Rafael and Charles, we are out. Ladies.
Thanks so much for listening. We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator and production specialist that wants to see only the best life giving, equipping and long lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.